0: I'm Heidi Zuckerman. I've spent my life connecting people to art to make their lives better. This podcast talks about art in contemporary culture and why we should care. Each episode is an impactful conversation with people I find interesting and think you will too about their life, values, and always about why they think art matters. This is Conversations About Art. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. I am really excited to kick off 2022 with a topic that means a lot to me and honestly was one of the three things I intended the podcast to focus on right when we started, this idea of art and spirituality. If you've been listening along, you know this is something that I am very interested in and committed to. And so I was really excited to read about Tyler Rollins' new project. And he tells us all about it. We'll get there in just a second. I don't know about you, but I get most of my things done in the spaces between doing everything else and I gravitate towards the things I can handle from an app on my phone. Kelly Clee, Private Client Insurance believes that people with more to lose need better protection for what they cherish. I've insured not only my cars and homes with them, but also my personal art collection. They have an incredibly well-designed app that's not only aesthetic, but the user interface is superb. I can see each work in my collection and its currently insured value as well as seamlessly and easily, literally from my phone, add new things as they're acquired. Insurance to me sounds like kind of a boring thing to talk about, but particularly in these uncertain times, I sleep way better at night knowing that the things I love are protected. So check out their website, kellyclee.com/heidi. That's K E L L Y K L E E.com backslash Heidi, and they will make a $50 donation to Artadia, an art charity I've recommended for each qualified referral. These details are included in the show notes. Is there a piece of jewelry you would like to create? I'm excited to tell you about Best & Co., which offers a smarter way to acquire luxury jewelry. I wanted to create signet rings for each member of my family. Best & Co worked with me to create a custom design and fabricate the rings. We all love them. The rings are a daily and physical reminder of our connection, even when we're not together. Whether you want to reuse sentimental stones from a family heirloom, or create a piece that you've been dreaming about, Best & Co can help you create it, and their effective and efficient business model allows them to provide significant savings to their clients. Clients regularly save as much as 30% and frequently more when compared with purchasing comparable, high-quality pieces from traditional luxury jewelry retailers. So check out their website, www.bestandcoaspen.com, and use discount code HEIDI2020 to receive 5% off of any item on Best Co's website. I was just looking at it today, and honestly, there are a ton of things that I would like to use that discount code for. Also, if you're interested in creating a custom piece, you can email custom at bestandcoaspen.com. That's B-E-S-T-A-N-D-C-O-A-S-P-E-N.com. And mention that you heard about Best & Co. on my podcast to receive the special discount. After more than a decade as an art dealer and gallery owner specializing in contemporary Southeast Asian art, in the last year, Tyler Rollins found a nonprofit organization nurturing connections between contemporary art and religious faith. The Foundation for Spirituality and the Arts is based in Charleston, South Carolina and forefronts a focus on transcendence and orienting oneself to a higher power, knowing that these can be a source of insight, illumination and inspiration he and i discuss edgar Allan poe how to build a community justifications for art soulful connections polite conversations pandemic introspection and access divisiveness the link between a career practice and a life practice connection to a higher purpose the relationship between integration and transcendence gentleness cracking the shell of self, being uncomfortable, the notion of faith, allowing artists to flourish, creating space, a contemplative approach to art, empathy with and towards something higher, the divine, general acts of kindness, and not walking alone. I like to start podcasts sometimes by asking people where they are. And I think you're, without making any assumptions, I think you're in one of my favorite places. Is that true?
1: Ah, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I'm in, uh, I'm in Charleston right now. So I've been um, working on renovations of this property really all, all year long. So uh, still in a, a partial construction zone, but uh, things are looking up. So uh, have you you spent a good deal of time here over the years?
0: I have, I have. I have spent time in Charleston proper, and I've spent most of my time on Sullivan's Island, so just off the coast of Charleston.
1: Oh yeah, that's our our, our nearest beach, so I, I often go over there just to get a quick break. It's about 25, 20, 25 minutes away.
0: Do you ever go to Poe's?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. You're going to be so happy that we recorded this podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still up for some suggestions, so you'll have to send me a list.
0: I will. I will. I don't know if you know that Edgar Allan Poe spent time on Sullivan's Island, and there are quite a few places. Well, anyway, a bunch of streets that have the names of his poems and his books. And there is a fabulous bar that's called Poe's. And everything's inspired by Edgar Allan Poe and, and what he's written and created.
1: Oh, it's, well, it's pretty, I, I, it's I, pretty I, cool. I used to, research I used to live re- sort of near the house that he lived in briefly in Greenwich Village which sadly was was torn down a, a number of years ago by NYU. But uh, I always passed that house and, and, and thought of him and uh, such a kind of revolutionary writer, but one of those classic kind of un- unrecognized or underappreciated artists, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. There are a couple of different, I mean, I think about Edgar Allan Poe and I think about, Hemingway in terms of these prolific writers who were in a variety of different American cities and you end up being able to when you're in Key West you can go to Hemingway's home or if you're in Ketchum, Idaho or you know we were visiting University of Virginia and we got to see Edgar Allan Poe's room there (laughs) so there you can go on these kind of unintentional maybe literary tours if you're paying attention.
1: It's particularly useful for these artists like Hemingway or Poe who kind of traveled around a lot so that you, you, you can kind of catch up with them in many different locations. It, it's funny how artists sort of help create this sort of aura or mystique of, about the, the the history and the whole texture of a place. Certainly Charleston is very rich with history of, of all sorts, I, I guess the artistic legacy of say the charleston renaissance is is probably not so well known around the u.s but certainly was one of the beginnings of kind of creating a sort of tourist mythology in a a way around a a place kind of recycling the history you know through a, a, a different artistic lens in a way So I I think there's many different layers here, but I don't think really associated with one dominant uh, figure like some cities, you really, you know, there's kind of a standout artist or figure that really casts a shadow over the, you know, the long history of a place.
0: Yeah. You, as I believe I'm correct, have picked Charleston as a place to create a foundation which also includes a residency, right? And I'm curious about your attraction to the place and the idea of certain places being centers for creativity.
1: Yes, it's something I've I've certainly been thinking about for for years, this idea of of how to build a, a community uh, and, and what does that mean and what what kind of layers of the community does one really uh, bring into the fold? Uh, I found, you know, having worked in, in the Manhattan art world really the, the past 20 years and then the past 12 or 13 years with my gallery, you know, I felt like we had a, a sort of a global audience and people, you know, would come to New York from all over the world, essentially, as a major art center. So we we had sort of these wide uh, root system, you know, kind of in, in this globalized art world environment. I felt it was sometimes difficult to have really deep roots, though. Um, we certainly had a, you know, a strong following in New York with the art community, etc. But it's sometimes harder to get those really deep organic roots in a community, particularly in a place like Manhattan, that is so it you has know, such a array of of cultural things going on and a kind of sense of transience as well. So that was one thing that really attracted me to Charleston or really the whole motivation, I would say, for, for doing something in a smaller community uh, is a sense of really reaching out beyond um, maybe the core what we think of as like the art world uh, into just the more general population and also connecting with other civic and community groups that um, you know not necessarily organized around art by any means but have a kind of very broad and diverse group of, of, of follow you know people in their community. So that that was one, I guess, more generic reason of of wanting to do something in in a place like this. And the other is just the specificity of the place. And I guess partially my own history, in a sense, that I'm from North Carolina, which is, uh, you know, very different from South Carolina, but still has a a lot of of commonalities. And uh, I think I just having lived in New York for Thirty years I, I kind of felt a bit of a pull you know towards the the uh, the home region and then um, you know Charleston is one of these cities uh I think of the most uh, historic kind of infrastructure of, of of any city in in the country perhaps and um, really the you know not only the architecture but just the uh the cultural history is, is quite unique and still sort of casts a, a, a shadow over the presence, which I find really fascinating. I think throughout my art gallery career, certainly I've really focused on uh, particularly artists who have this very strong connection to where they came from and their, you know, their, their culture, you know, religion and, um, artistic and just cuisine, all, all you know, manners, all of these type of things that, that work their way into art, which I find so fascinating. Perhaps more so than a you know a more strictly globalized uh, focus that tends to sometimes have a more homogeneous uh, uh, kind of uh, aesthetic or, um, or or even ideological motivations. What drew you to the, the the Charleston area? Was there something specifically you felt really resonated? Other than, of course, the charms of Sullivan Island.
0: <laughs> well, like most things, it goes back to love. So my college boyfriend grew up in Charleston and, and on Sullivan's okay. Island. And so that was how I got introduced to the area and, and going to visit stay with him and his family and I had an interesting situation I went to Penn and when I went there weren't that I grew up in California born in New York but there weren't that many people that were going to Penn from California and there weren't that many people that were going to Penn from the south yet and so when I when I got there they had sort of like a mixer you know, and I think it was for like the international students and the Californians and the Southerners. (laughs)
1: Okay, all the misfits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. So my college boyfriend and my three college roommates were all from the South. And that was not an area that I had visited really before. I mean, I'd been to Florida, but that's certainly not the South. And I kind of fell in love, obviously, with him and my roommates who are still among my closest friends and, and really got introduced to Southern fiction, of which I'm a huge fan. And I like the heat and the pelicans and the dunes and the turtle hatching. And I just find it to be a really magical place.
1: Certainly is. And I'm just looking out the window here from my little office study and just the the doorway across the street uh, was the the site of a uh, quite a sensational murder in the 19th century, where uh, someone uh, had, had an argument inside the door and ended up burying the person under the floorboards. And uh, that reminded me so much of Poe's uh, telltale heart uh, story, just bringing it back <laughs> where the, you know, he, he taunted by the beating heart of the victim that he buried under the floorboard until he, goes insane uh things like that i think just kind of add to your your sense of really living in a, a place i think charleston is fascinating well like so many cities you know it has a a, a very dark history as you know really one of the, the major center of the, the slave trade uh, yeah. and then it has this very romantic kind of history as a kind of vision of the you know the old south and the you know I have magnolia tree right outside my window and you know palm trees and the architecture and um, and then you know being known as the so called holy city which is it was kind of fascinating for me which uh, yeah uh, there's some um, you know there's there's some uncertainty about the exact origin of that term but it's it's not a particularly old one and I think perhaps even started out as a kind of ironic moniker um but has been been adopted i think mainly based on just the beautiful architecture of the so many churches in the historic core and perhaps not as much of a um, contemporary resonance so i was also fascinated with that idea and how do we bring contemporary art that kind of has an engagement with this idea of you know holiness or sanctity or spirituality so that's, um, you know, perhaps something we can talk about later. Certainly New York has an amazing, you know, spiritual and religious history in New York City as well, incredibly rich, but it's not something that, you know, perhaps uh, comes to mind when one thinks of New York City. Um, but that's certainly the case, uh, you know, here in, in Charleston, I would say.
0: Yeah, I had followed your work as a gallerist and a lot of the exhibitions that you've done and the artists that you've worked with. And, and I was really taken to read about this effort, which you've referenced a little bit, and I'd love to explore it more. And two of the things that are of particular interest to me are this idea of building community and, and what's essential to community and the inherent platform or, or statement or commitment or intention that you are forefronting in the community that you're putting together, which is this acknowledgement of the need for spirituality and art to intersect. And I think that it's something that I'm really personally interested in and have been interested in it for a while and have kind of been working on how to introduce the idea in ways that feel open and productive. And would love to kind of start a, a dialogue about your experience and, and interest with those notions.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's wonderful to hear, and I I feel um, very strongly about this um, this whole need for this orientation. I guess a little background. I think it's I think it's fair to say that. Uh, you know, spirituality, faith, religion is is an area that is, does not have a lot of support in the contemporary art world, and I I would go so far to say there's a certain stigma attached to being too involved with these issues. I, I think um, everyone feels that you know there's more to art than just to kind of market forces or trendiness or Investments. I mean I think we all have a sense of that um, although entertainment is of course an important aspect of our lives but uh, you know there's sort of more more to it than than that but when people nowadays I feel think about well what is a, a higher purpose or even justification for art you know they often uh, will latch on to the you know political uh, themes um, obviously social justice and social activism these kind of things are are um, kind of issues that are very much at the forefront and sort of what people will typically talk about when they want to go something deeper but I feel that there's also more to our whole motivation for getting you know loving art for making art um, for feeling any sort of connection with art that has nothing to do with our own personal circumstances, you know, is really what I, you can start out by saying just a sort of soulful connection, um, mm-hmm. something that really has to do with the, the spirit beyond, a, a, say, a propaganda value or an entertainment value or you know, art as a tool for doing something, uh, let's say more um, material, materialistic in the world, whether that's good or bad uh, um, materialistic goals, but there's something kind of beyond that in a way. Um, I think there's a difficulty in even just having a language to talk about this in a contemporary way. Yeah. Um, sort of discursive lack there. Um, certainly, there are many artists who are religious artists, and there are several organizations that you know support, say, you know, Christian artists or Jewish artists, um, where the art is sort of an expression, fully and embodying uh, particular faith um, iconography and um, visual aspects. Um, And this is um, an area that I think is slightly different from the contemporary art world as we know it. But there are, you know, so many artists, and I'm sure you encountered many who, you know, have their spirituality, their faith as really part of their practice, part of their whole motivation. But it's just not an area that is um, quite... fostered in a way that if they wanted to do a sh- you know a show that relates to say a you know a, a political issue or ecological issue there's enormous amount of support structures foundations all kinds of things that you know can kind of plug in um to that whereas something to do with the, the, the more spiritual aspect i feel that there's sort of a uh, a lack of, of support. then I think that partially appealed to me in the sense that I felt like some small, smaller scale uh, interventions such as I might, you know, humbly be able to do uh, could actually make, make some sort of impact or at least open up the conversation just as we're having today. And i i've I've been amazed when you know just talking to people now they suddenly say oh well i've had a an interest in in spirituality or or faith you know for throughout my career it's just never come up you know in our polite conversation so you know i i i remember meeting some uh, someone in London, and we were talking about this issue, and he mentioned someone you should meet uh, in New York who's been working on these areas for years. Well, I had known this person for years, and this topic just never came up, which I thought was so fascinating, but... Um, it's not a typical, you know, it's considered a little maybe invasive to talk about your (laughs) spirituality, Whereas certainly with politics and other things, we don't hesitate now to, um, you know, start talking about those kind of issues. Has that been somewhat of your experience? Or do you feel like you, you know, people are sort of aware of your spiritual interests or has that been difficult to integrate into your you know into your practice and in, in, in the museum world
0: I wonder if just thinking as I'm listening to your answer I wonder if this need for forefronting what's been maybe more of a personal practice in a in a broader way comes as a sort of response to the comfort that people have talking about as you were <laughs> referencing politics or, or other topics that maybe are dividing and maybe there's a, an intention to talk about spirituality as a way of, of bringing together. And right. I'm really interested in Brene Brown and part of why I'm interested in, in her is this kind of broad-based celebration of vulnerability and I think that ties in for me with a comfort level of embracing things that I'm uncomfortable with, right and being okay with the awkward conversation and maybe it is just after time in the field and maybe less attachment to a specific place and and certainly, It was integrated some into my work at the Aspen Art Museum and then during my sabbatical I felt much more comfortable I think being more forward about some of my interests um, because I felt like clearly my opinions were my own (laughs) and now that I have an institutional affiliation again I think it's just known about me so it's I think expected, if not accepted. And I think it's something that a lot of people are curious about. And like many things that have maybe been held private before, I think the last 18 months has brought to the forefold so many things that, you know, were previously kind of just in one's home, if not in one's soul, right? Like doing Zoom calls in where you're seeing someone's bedroom, you know, I mean, right. or their, you know, pets, or their, you know, partner, their or, own, their uh, or their kids, or
1: their home. Uh, their home bookcase is quite exactly. fascinating. It's like, oh, what I find myself so distracted. Like, what are these people actually reading, or did they just set this up as a backdrop, you know, for the Zoom? Or uh, what kind of books do people read uh, in the privacy of their home, you know? Yeah, I think that the pandemic period has certainly been uh, I- introspective for many people, and also, you know, being fairly cut off from um, a, lo- a lot of the social gatherings. And not, I'm not talking about just parties, but um, you know, other activities that, you know, whether it's going to a, a you know political organization or a church or whatever, you know that that people sort of a little bit of stepping away from that and kind of having a chance to, to reevaluate, uh, you know, what are the really important things that they ca- kind of carry with them in their core, um, versus what are some of the extern- externalities. I think going back to your topic about just what, what is kind of a, Considered appropriate. I mean, it, you know, it used to be you do, you don't talk about politics and religion. You know, at a dinner party, I park. know. <laughs> I still think is a good, a good, perhaps a good idea. But um, you know, it all depends on the the setting. Of course, if you were having a serious conversation with someone, you would not avoid those kind of topics. So I think there's still an idea somehow that, and I've heard people in institutions say this, well, that, you know, religion, for example, is is very sectarian and divisive. First of all, those people don't really hesitate to embrace, you know, very divisive political uh, themes. Uh, uh, so it, it seems to be only applied to, you know, a, a religious uh, context. But I think speaking more, you know, generally about, you know, a, a spirituality, which I think obviously intersects with religion in an important way, um, but is also you know a little more general or, or perhaps friendly term in some people's eyes. But if you think you know, I think the, the the overwhelming majority of people still have either some kind of religious affiliation or or were kind of raised in that sort of environment. Um, so it it is engaging just in terms of uh you know you think of an institution's audience uh it it's probably really one of the commonalities that the vast majority of people have is some relationship to these issues and i think there is really a a, a possibility of, of bringing people together even over these these topics that that have been perhaps used in some ways in a divisive sense um but that is not the the, the core kind of uh, thrust or purpose of them so i i think we're used to of course having friends you know of a different religion uh, we wouldn't say you know you almost never hear someone say oh, i would never be friends with someone of x you know religion whereas we hear that a lot today relating to political things like i you know i wouldn't want to associate with someone who voted for this or that uh, person so i think in a sense the kind of ecumenical approach that has been um you know playing a role in, in interfaith dialogue for many decades uh, could also be a, a kind of model perhaps of Of ways of engaging people you know in in relating to other issues such as politics or or, or whatever else
0: yeah i would hope so i would hope so i had a really formative experience when i was working at the berkeley art museum jackie boss who had been the director uh, of the berkeley art museum uh paired with mary jane jacob who you might know, did a fabulous Spoleto in South Carolina, in Charleston, before she did this with Jackie. But they put together a two-year program that was called Awake, art, Buddhism, and dimensions of consciousness. And they brought together museum curators, museum educators, and artists every other month over this two-year period to go to the Green Gulch Zen Center in Marin County and read these white papers that they would commission and and just learn about Buddhism. And that's where I met Bill Viola and Laurie Anderson and a lot of artists. And there was no prerequisite in terms of knowledge. I mean, they obviously had to invite you. It really changed my life because I learned there about this idea of practice. And at the time, What I first understood was the notion of a curatorial practice, which then expanded for me as the idea of a life practice and just what it means to be able to show up each day and start anew. And then that connected for me with a variety of other things, including this notion of the transcendent. And I know that one of the goals of the foundation for spirituality and the arts is to focus on this idea of of transcendence and where that notion intersects with art. And I'd love to have you talk a little bit about what that means for you. And I would say just one other thing, as you're thinking about how you might want to respond, I would also share that some years ago I was at a curatorial conference, which was at the Walker Art Center, and Anthony Huberman asked the group what we stood for, and to use that as a, a basis to, to make all the decisions that we were making. And what I realized at that time was that I that I stood for the possibility of transcendence. And oh, that's quite a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that gives you just a little bit more insight into me and some of my interests in terms of how to potentially frame the rest of our conversation.
1: Well, I think that that link, you know, between you were talking about between curatorial practice and life practice, uh, I, I think that's just such a, a crucial thing to think about. I think for for everyone in terms of what what is the link, but you know, between your your let's just say your career practice your 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 life practice your your family all these these areas um i i feel really is a kind of spiritual connection in terms of what what you bring to it not just your morals and your your ethics but a kind of sense of 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 values and you know connection to a to a higher purpose that sort of unites all these things. I think it's when we we have everything compartmentalized that you start to lose a sense of universal values and that's how I think people can sometimes go off the rails if they, you know, you're often surprised by a good person who maybe has been involved in some financial scandals or whatever or home life that's uh, uh, bad and you think well they they have not been able to integrate these values that appear in one part of their life into all other parts so i think this idea of integration relates to transcendence I mean, transcendence implies something that is. I mean, we using these three dimensional spatial metaphors, because that's the kind of world we live in. So the idea of something that's somehow above uh, the material world, you could view it as being, you know, more interior, perhaps as well as uh, elevated. Something deeper within us connects some, with something that's above you know, the kind of material world that we operate in. I mean, I think everyone recognizes that, you know, just even from a purely secular perspective, we have certain kinds of values that sort of transcend individual circumstances and that we use those values, you know, those kind of universal values to apply to any kind of temporal situation we're in. But then you have to ask, you know, where where do these values come from? The idea that they're purely a product of social, political, economic factors, which is, you know, more of the Marxist perspective. I I think, you know, first of all, it's not ultimately (laughs) satisfying. I think it's a very grim view of of, um, morality and of our whole uh, kind of meaning of our of our lives and the possibilities of our thinking and behaviors that we could never transcend these kind of, um, let's just say, material causes. I think a lot of the focus now on what, when you hear, well, what is the, the value we place on, on a contemporary artist is often this idea of transgressive you know, this is often hear this in these award ceremonies when they're trying to explain why this artist is so important and deserves a particular honor. It's usually they, you know, trans socially transgressive. They're doing this and that, relating to um, social structures, social values. I think the idea of transcendence is a little bit harder to, you know, quantify in that sense. Um, because it's not um, necessarily, you know, <clears throat> knocking down physical barriers, but more, more the, uh, the idea of sort of opening up. And there's a certain gentleness that I think is implied there. I, I think there's, you know, different kinds of um, even emotional motivations of a particular art practice or or any sort of practice, if if you. You know, you have a motivation relating to sort of some form of empathy, um, some sense of connection with things beyond oneself. That creates a certain type of, I think, artistic practice versus something that's motivated by, um, let's just say, other other concerns that might be more, let's say, motivated by, to uh, get you know, anger or focusing on a specific external uh, object or, or kind of social structures or other things like that. So I, I think the, the difficulty people have in talking about transcendence is that, um, you know, there's, is not quite as much of a, let's just say ideological framework that resonates in a, more secular vocabulary i think obviously i guess when you're talking about more spiritual things it's, it's difficult to apply the same sort of um signposts and way of ways of thinking and evaluating that you, we have when we're talking about um you know something that has a more tangible um let's just say socio-political you know goal to affecting certain kind of change so i think there's this this language problem. Of course, religious uh, dogmas and, and other things really provide, you know, a, a structure for talking about these issues. And a very rich one, uh, I think one can even learn quite a lot from them, even if it's, it's not part of one's own system of belief. I mean, we can all learn, you know, from uh, other religions that are not part of our, our own, but it can somehow enrich us. I think that's one of the, the main arguments about the importance of a kind of di- diversity of, of beliefs and approaches, uh, is that it can also enrich your, your own, um, um, whether it's your own faith or, or your own sense of ethics. And I think that's part of also the value of of, of art, uh, the possibility of art in, in that we can be affected very strongly by something that is, is totally different from us and, and, and not really speaking from our comfort zone. I guess that's one, one other issue I think is important um, nowadays, just this idea of... of the comfort zone, uh, which comes up so often in terms of, um, um, you, you, you know, we want to make people feel comfortable, welcome, creating safe space, safe environment. I think in the, on the personal level, often there's a kind of, of egotistical or, or ego-oriented basis uh, for a lot of this uh, in that we, we we see that in in this sort of spiritual, but not religious approach where where people kind of uh, I've heard it described as kind of cherry pick different practices that kind of help them, you know, feel better with, you know, they might do some meditation, some yoga some this and that, and kind of curating this, this um, um, sort of self-help or health and wellness kind of structure, which is is so different from a uh, you know religious faith, uh, in which I feel the the really difficult and uncomfortable parts are really what challenge us and make us, you know, grow. and the idea of even cracking the the hard, Shell of the ego, uh, kind of breaking that down and creating a whole new conception of the self and its you know, relation to the the, the world. Um, so I think that is transgressive in a different kind of way, um, transcendent, transgressive, perhaps. So I think you know these things that really go to the core of um, your whole identity as a self. Um, these are really basic issues that I think every, every human being faces. So I think it, it can sometimes make other issues seem like just tampering, putting band-aids on this outer shell. Um, but the real transformation, I think, comes from cracking that shell in a way. And it, it takes something really hard-edged to be able to do that sometimes. So um, I, I don't know, I think this idea of what makes us uncomfortable, uh, but, in a, but also having the tools to really respond to that in a way that is a growing for oneself, rather than just finding a way to make the shell a little bit harder. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense too, but th- that's kind of my sort of deeper dive into just what I feel the role of, of art and, and faith has in terms of our our whole ability to um, kind of grow and, and discover these hidden depths within
0: ourselves. I love the idea of the pursuit of something more, I guess is why I'm attracted to spirituality and not in this way of, of amassing things, but rather in knowing that there's so much more than we can just see and touch, you know, the beyond the tangible. And I believe that art provides that space to understand the things that are not understandable. And that, I think, is a connection to spirituality or religion, which is that suspension of disbelief. It's a very notion of faith.
1: How do you think the, these issues could really be uh, integrated more in, in you know, museums and other institutions these days where um, there is, I think, a, a sort of fear of treading in, into these topics somehow? Uh, how do we sort of break that pattern in a way?
0: I think it's about leadership. And I think that's one of the areas where as a field we could do better. And not just a field, I mean, as as a country. I think being okay with saying things or sharing things, or acknowledging things, seeing things differently, and being okay with holding that space for other people to have their own responses, to try and help use art as a way to insert more space between words, between experiences, to allow that response, rather than a reaction to things,
1: right? I think, um, and just as we're speaking, I'm, I'm feeling also the sense that of uh, you know, sometimes we're kind of grasping to try to ex- explain uh, these issues and how they they kind of fit in with the contemporary art world, and I I think part of it is really just maybe allowing artists to to flourish, addressing these topics and kind of providing a certain support. I think um, perhaps in a way stepping back from the sort of sense that the curatorial message has to be something so very um, didactic or having such a strong ideological framework this is sometimes a sign of, you know, the strong curatorial engagement or relevance that, you know, you're really, uh, you know, you have a strong viewpoint. You're saying something, but in a sense, I don't think, you know, with religious issues, we want, you know, we want to be saying, oh, you, you know, you should be a, you know, Jehovah's Witness or whatever. We're not like pushing necessarily uh curatorially uh a certain you know view belief system but rather just simply providing this kind of generous open-ended space for someone to really express their their faith their spirituality uh through their art and um i think it it through art, somehow these these things can really take on a kind of universal—I um, don't want to say appeal, but kind of a, a more welcoming universal approach. Just through the the individuality of the artists. I mean, I've we had a, a program with a, a very devout um, Muslim artist who, you know, just. her her work and the way she talks about it was so moving and powerful that I think, you know, any other, you know, people of other faiths who were there really felt a just strong sense of, you know, this is something that is, you know, enriching their own, their own spirituality um, aside, you know, not necessarily focusing on, you know, this is my, faith or this is not my faith but a sense of this person for producing this this work that has you know first of all a kind of beauty to it whether it's aesthetic or just from the 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 the, the spirituality of it or the sense of harmony i, I think just like it, it, you know art you can translate your own personal trauma with your father or something into something that really resonates so strongly with, with everyone else, um, really through art. And I, I've, I've seen this, having been involved with many artist talks, um, around the country from, you know, I had focused mainly on Southeast Asian artists. So we, you know, we often had, you know, artists from country that, you know, no one in the audience had been to or had much connection with, but were often just so moved by the work once they kind of understood, uh, you know, where it was coming from and what was the, the kind of ethos and the intentionality and the, you know, the, the kind of milieu that produced it. You know, there's this tremendous possibility of, of connecting, um, through something really personal. And um, of course you can have this by, you know, a long heart to heart conversation with someone, but you can also have that from, um, you know, kind of experiencing just one artwork in a, you know, it's in a different way. And I think that is part of what I see as the possibility and a sense of sort of integrating spirituality and faith into let's just say an institutional setting you know as we're really focusing on individuals and on individual artworks um it doesn't necessarily have to be you know proselytizing something specifically which i think is what people are most uh, afraid of somehow
0: yeah i think moving away always from the idea of should, and allowing space for people to experience something they may not have before. And I think it's courageous to be a person of conviction, and to share those convictions with the broadest possible audience, and then seeing what happens, you know, Forefronting this curiosity about things that you know about, but also don't know about. And I think through that access to something that we can be curious about, it can have huge impact.
1: I think so, too. And I think even just on an an individual level, I mean, I talk to many people when I mention what I'm doing and they might immediately, I'm sure you've experienced this, mention something in their childhood that, oh, they had some sort of bad experience with the religion that they were raised in. So I get almost the impression that they want to just completely shut down those kind of conversations in in the future. And I, I feel that... You know, it's it, it's almost like if you had a really traumatic, um, you know, boarding school experience and then you decided you were never going to pursue higher education or any kind of <laughs> further education because you had had this one, you know, this kind of experience. Therefore, you're rejecting the whole thing. Um, and I think... It, you know, sometimes people have, have kind of shut down certain aspects that are very enriching uh, because of, you know, whatever kind of experiences they might have had. And I think, you know, art is just one way also of helping people to kind of reconnect with, you know, certain aspects of, of themselves um, through, I think, also this process of uh, kind of uh, empathy. And, um, you know, I think you you have to sort of break down a little bit of your shell in order to connect, you know, even with a a work of art, much less another person in a profound way. And I think um, I just like to see kind of real fostering of these really deeper encounters with art, which, I do think runs a little bit against the grain of, of our, you know, contemporary art world that I think undoubtedly is a little more spectacle oriented. Um, Mm. Everything, you know, not just Instagram, concept, but just, you know, the, the sort of art that can be read at a glance, um, as opposed to something that you would really sit through and, Contemplate, and even this idea that the contemplative approach is somehow elitist, or I I don't know, that's sometimes used uh, as a sense that this is a kind of rarefied experience, which I suppose it is a more rare experience, but I don't think that's a reason to say we have to really just focus more on the entertainment aspects uh, of of art.
0: How would you answer a question about your own faith?
1: Uh, well, I guess it de- depends on what the question is. Is it, is it like what what is my relation to faith or what is my particular faith journey? I guess there's, there's so many stories there. I'm, I guess one reason I had hesitated to kind of get much more involved in 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 a a really public way about this topic is i you know i never considered myself a um you know particularly saintly or devout or or any kind of uh language like that at all and i think um as i've gotten older i've kind of accepted that we are all kind of on a A journey that uh is kind of open-ended and that uh you know we don't have to be a a a kind of perfect or even pretend to be a kind of perfect spokesperson for anything in order to kind of participate so i think for me i guess I, i view myself in a way as kind of a uh someone on the journey who you know very much uh as you know a sense of, of, of doubt as well as uh, curiosity and a kind of openness um, I mean I, I was raised uh, you know a Protestant uh, background and I guess it's something I kind of moved away from in college as as so many people often do and um, I, I did take a lot of Classes relating to Marxism and other kinds of, you know, social theories and was quite drawn to different, more philosophical approaches. But then, you know, gradually um, incorporated more and more spiritual practice into my life and um, and my work as well in terms of the kind of art that I've been drawn to and that I felt motivated to promote um so i mean i'm i guess i would say i'm still very um active in terms of uh, you know christian i go to episcopal church um but i have a kind of you know just genuine uh i guess not just fascination but a kind of almost you know, sense of almost visceral connection with with faith expressions of, of all sorts. And I, 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 certainly don't feel that, you know, all religions are the same or, or anything of the sort, which I think kind of, you know, papers over all the enormous differences in approaches, but I, I do feel that there is something so profound and important about having a, a, a sort of nurturing a spiritual side of oneself, um, that I really feel that art is um, actually an expression of that rather than a, a, a tool, in a sense, that there's a lot of interest now. And, you know, art as a, a, a way of helping with healing, you know, whether with Alzheimer's patients or other, you know, medical uses, for example, which is wonderful. But I don't think uh, spirituality falls under that sort of more utilitarian approach. I I feel like it's really something at the core.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for that answer. And my last question for you is what I ask everyone on the podcast and I'm sure you were expecting, and you've talked around it maybe, but direct question is why does art matter?
1: Well, I think Yes. I think we've kind of been talking about that in also the sense of why does spirituality matter? I think I would almost say that the answer is uh, totally interconnected. I guess that is my point, really. Um, I feel like art matters to the individual, of course, uh, as a, a way of not just self-expression, but of really plumbing the depths what I would argue the kind of spiritual depths uh, of oneself and a really of, of the wider world. I, I think art provides um, or not even provides, but is a, a kind of form of, of empathy, um, mm-hmm. which I think connects with the idea of transcendence. Um, so not just a sense of empathy with other people, but a kind of sense of connection to something higher. First of all, being just the the wonder of the world that we live in, um, even just a, you know, a, a drawing of a tree is a quite profound to a certain degree, depending on how one approaches it, um, but also to something that really unifies all of these physical things that we're, we're looking at, in, including each other. So I, I think art matters really just as the world matters. I guess I have a more cosmic uh, view of it. Um, so it's, it's uh, not really a tool for anything, although it is a valuable one that both individual and society can benefit from in terms of various levels of of healing, going from just pure joy and entertainment to something much more cosmic and contemplative. But there's all a a continuum. I I do believe in, you know, what Plato wrote about, you know, the attraction to the physical as sort of one stage on a ladder to kind of attraction to these more universals. And something even beyond that. So uh, I I guess I I view art as something in and of itself uh, linked to transcendence at its real core.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Tyler. And I just think it's really cool what you're doing. And well, I'm you. eager to, <laughs> to come and visit you. Yes, I look forward to
1: seeing uh, each other in person, hopefully sometime soon. I really appreciate your uh, helping to delve into these topics. And there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, it's very thought provoking.
0: Yes. And I guess I'm also struck by your observation and, and feedback as i was working to answer a question that you asked of me and you were working to answer questions that i asked of you that it's okay to take the time and space to be thoughtful about these responses because it's not simple and it's not clear just like life and honestly just like art <laughs> and right. and i i, I really like this term "cawdiwample," right? To to move with purpose towards an unknown direction, and there's again to just underscore this notion of of courage um, that this requires, you know, to to walk a a not totally charted path.
1: I agree, and I I'll just close by saying I think one of the real benefits that you know the religious perspective offers is that. You know, hundreds of millions of people have also walked this path, some quite brilliantly over the millennia. And so we're not, in a sense, walking alone if we realize yes. that there's a, a whole continuum that we are kind of a part of and that we kind of open ourselves up to this idea that we, you know, we are sort of a conduit in a way. And I think passing you know even just the sense of spirit of love that you know passing from the divine kind of through us into the world and art is one of those kind of light beams that can flow out of us along with just general acts of kindness and other things so uh, i i think just viewing this sense of fluidity and continuity is a very healthy antidote to this highly atomized way many of us live these days.
0: Conversations About Art is part of HiZ.art, a multi-platform project that connects all to art through a podcast series, books, talks program, brand collaborations, TV, and more. This is the final episode that was produced by Simon Illa. Simon's friend, Evan André, so incredibly graciously helped finish the episode after Simon's passing. Our theme music was composed by Eric McDougall. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and review us on whichever platform you listened, as it helps us further our goal of connecting all to art. We will be back again every other Tuesday with new episodes. Thank you so much for listening.